They told him he was crazy. They told him, don't waste your time. Syracuse is a hockey graveyard. Thankfully, Howard Dolgan didn't listen. The Syracuse Crunch just dropped the puck on their 24th season at the Onondaga County War Memorial. Dolgan joins me this week on the Syracuse Sports Podcast to reflect on 24 years of professional hockey in Syracuse, to tell us about some badly needed renovations on the way at the War Memorial. How does he balance hockey and business, especially when you're not in control of the roster when you own an AHL hockey team? What's it like to be on the phone with a Hockey Hall of Famer every day? I also asked Dolgan about the recent sale of the Syracuse Chiefs. Has he ever been tempted or asked to try his hand at running both an AHL hockey team and a AAA baseball team? Let's take a listen. Howard Dolgan, this week's guest on the Syracuse Sports Podcast. So we're here with Howard Dolgan, and Howard, this is the 24th year of Syracuse Crunch Hockey in Central New York, so that big anniversary is, is just around the bend next year. But here in year 24, you know, that's where I wanted to start. Your perspective on 24 years in a place that you were told at the beginning was a hockey graveyard. How have you done it? Well, I think, Brent, that the reputation uh, as a hockey graveyard really created for us initially an uphill battle because there was a mindset that the either the team wasn't going to be successful or that the team wasn't going to commit to stay in the market. So we had that to battle right off the bat. And, you know, we looked at it, as we do still 24 years later, as an opportunity to, to try to put on the best product and entertain the fans the best we can. And that hasn't changed in 24 years. I think now, finally, you know, the community, you know, whether you're a hockey fan or not, knows that the crunch is here to stay long term. What is the thing that has remained the same through all the years, from the day you started, you know, getting this thing going in the early 1990s through here till 2017? You know what? What I said on from the get go was the real passion of the fans, and surprisingly early on, how quickly they they understood the game, and how closely they followed the team and the American Hockey League. And I remember, I think it was in our first year, uh, where I was walking the hallways, and the fans were talking about the power play, and how they would set the power play up differently, and. You know, and I'm saying, wow, you know, this is great because they are so engaged in the nuances of the team and the players. I said, I felt then in that instance that we've got a fan base that really cares. And they're passionate through winning, they're passionate through losing. And, you know, passion to me for a sports fan is so critical. And I think you see that in markets where teams succeed is because fans care, win or lose. Howard, what has changed throughout the years? Plenty, certainly, but what do you think is the most significant change or two you can think of between then and now? I think from from a hockey perspective, uh, the biggest change has been the speed of the game. And, you know, I, looked at, I look at our team this year, which is, I'd say, easily uh, the quickest team. We were built to be quick that we've had in 24 years, even the two Calder Cup 
final teams, this team is faster. Uh, and the game is faster. If you can't skate, you can't keep up, not only are you not getting to the next level, but you're, you're going to struggle competing at our level. So I think from a hockey standpoint, it's, it's the speed of the game. I'd say from the business standpoint, you know, even at the American League level, you're seeing new and upgraded facilities that are really state-of-the-art, that provide amenities, that provide fan experiences that back in 1994, you know, our building that, that had just undergone a, a, a necessary renovation just to get it prepared for hockey didn't have and, you know, really didn't have and doesn't have now. Certainly, you know, that's changing over the next 12 months. But, you know, we, we've had to play catch-up, uh, and luckily we've, we're, we're about to catch up in having a more modern building that allows us to do things and gives the fans an experience that other markets already have. Yeah, while we're on that subject, Howard, let's, let's update our listeners here for those that haven't been following. So, I mean, you look down the road in Utica. You know, a franchise also left for dead in the AHL market that has been revived in the last few years and some other ranks, even just in New York State, and kind of felt like it was your turn to get some necessary improvements at the War Memorial, and it seems all is well in those discussions. Can you update us on what's happening and what we can expect to see over, say, the next year or two and how much that will improve what you can do with your hockey team there? Well, I think now we're talking end of October, and I think you're looking at a, a process that's going to probably be 12 months. Uh, and and it's, it's a, it should be starting now. Uh, some of the things the fans will recognize, uh, you know, like upgrades in the bathroom, upgrades in the concessions, some of the things they won't, like some of the cabling that's going to allow us to broadcast the games uh, live in, in the hallways when people are out buying concessions. And then, of course, the big upgrades that would be very visible, uh, one of which we should get sometime in January, that's the expected the time of arrival, is the new video uh, system. Not just the video scoreboard, but ribbon, new ribbon lighting, new outdoor video marquees all around the complex. And that's going to allow us to do a lot of different things in entertaining the fans. And then, you know, then, you know we've talked for years about getting luxury suites, and the timetable right now is that's going to go out to an RFP shortly. They plan on having the seal ordered by shortly in the beginning of the year. And then when our season ends, hopefully in, in, in mid-June, the construction begins and the plan is to have it ready sometime in October. So I've said, you know, I think we have a great building to watch a game. It's, a, it's loud. It's intimate. There's really not a bad scene in the house. And now if you add the modern amenities to it, you know, we're going to get a new club upstairs, you know, restaurant, bar, private club for the fans. You're going to give fans the best of both worlds. So it's going to be the old barn that's going to have that, you know, that, that home ice advantage, which I think we do have. And then you're going to have the amenities that the more modern buildings have. So we're going to get both. And uh, is it a long time coming? Yes. Has the county and the, the state stepped up? Absolutely. And, you know, we're appreciative that, that uh, that's happening. Howard, uh, you're sort of biased in, in this, but I, I agree in the sense of 
Hockey is, to me, the best live sport. You know, all the sports you can go to and sit down, especially in this day and age where I've got a, you know, a 50-inch television at home and everything I need right by my side and people are on their phones and more distracted than, than ever. I've heard from so many people that have gone to your games and said, boy, I, I wish I've gone to more or I will go to more just because the sport thrives live. From your experience in owning this team and, and going all over the country and in different rinks that you've been in, why is it that hockey, according to many, is the best sport that you can sit down and watch in person? Yeah, look, I still get thrilled for those two and a half hours I'm in the building. You know, I mean, I think the only other sport to me that rivals a live hockey game would be a high-end boxing match. Because I don't think TV does justice to exactly, you know, how difficult it is and how hard these guys are hitting and the punches these fighters absorb. But in hockey, you know, you can't even appreciate the speed of the game on TV. You can't appreciate the the hard hitting and you can't really watch off the puck. It's just very difficult in hockey to watch the play form, you know, what players are doing when they don't have the puck, the banter on the ice, you know, the strategy and there's a lot of it that goes into it. So you know, you're right, Brent. You know, people who come to the game for the first time who bring a friend, I, I have the person who brought the guests to say to me, my, my buddy is hooked now. You know, I mean, they can't believe what they're seeing. And what's great about it, too, is it's affordable. Like, it's a reasonable price because of the market we're in. And we're real fortunate to have such a high level of hockey in a market that's really one of the smaller markets in, in what's going to be a 31-team league next season. So we're able to keep the prices down, the entertainment value is high, and the quality of the hockey is, is better now than it's ever been, and it's just going to get better. One of those things that I wanted to bring up, Howard, was the quality of hockey. Certainly, since you have affiliated with the Tampa Bay Lightning since 2013, the quality of hockey speaks for itself. You've been to the Calder Cup Finals twice. We've seen a number of NHL players that have played in Syracuse, now with the Tampa Bay Lightning, a team that was in this, the Stanley Cup Finals a couple of years ago and, and certainly could be back there a couple more times. John Cooper, their head coach, was here. That being said, you don't control that. Tampa Bay controls that. So you need to control the entertainment value, the promotions, and what happens when people walk in that building from the time that they walk out of that building. How do you balance that, especially when maybe the hockey team does not live up to standards? You've been lucky there the past few years, but over 24 years, as you know, there's been some down hockey years where you still have to get people to come watch your games. Well, you know, let me address the latter part first because what I've learned throughout the process of 24 years is how important it is for the owner of the minor league team to have a strong relationship with the entire operation of the National League team. Now, as a learning process for me, and we've had partners that have been less uh, cooperative over the years, we're with a partner now for a reason in Tampa. They've got great ownership in Jeff Bennick. They've got a terrific team president in Steve Griggs, and they've got two of the best hockey people that I've ever worked in with Steve Eisenman, Julian Briswell, and that's not even to mention the Stacey Roos, the Pat Verbeeks, and the entire coaching staff left by Benoit Rue. And what you do is when you get into these affiliation partnerships, you know, I've learned that this is important. You know, strong ownership is important. I remember being involved with the, the, the Columbus Blue Jackets, and we were on the verge of, 
extending our relationship for five years in a very, very fair deal. And I met with the new president, who was the owner's accountant. This is after Doug McLean had, had, had been dismissed. And we sat down and he explained to me, uh, hey, you know, we're not going to be putting money into the team. Uh, the cycle of players coming in is not going to be strong. And you just have to live with that. And I looked at the uh, assistant general manager, Chris Fallon, who I have a lot of respect for, still a friend of mine. Uh, and the next day I called Chris and I said, Chris, I've got this deal. I'm not signing it. I don't trust that this is in the best interest of my franchise, this kind of an attitude. And it's not, it, it, it's not about seeing the money. It's about caring and wanting your players to be in a competitive environment, your players to be in a winning culture. You know, at least putting them in that position. Now, there's no guarantees once the plug drops what's going to happen, right? We don't know. They're human beings. But we need to know we've got a partner that cares about our business. And, you know, I, I spoke with Julian Bourgeois about an hour and a half ago. We were talking about the team, and we actually shared the same thought. This is a young team, but these young players, once they start winning, this, there's a high level of skill here. We're skilled. We're quick. These are not late-round draft picks that are, are being signed at Fuller Rasta. These are, these are high-quality kids. And I felt, and I told fans, don't judge a team by October. Start judging us in November when these kids have had 20 games or 25 games under their belt with a coach that has proven to win everywhere he's gone and with a coaching staff that can really develop players, right? And so... Even though we are not making the final decision on hockey, the great thing about Tampa and Julian and Stevie is maybe because I've been doing this so long and I, I know the players around the American League and I have relationships with other owners, they'll ask me for opinions on players or ask me to recommend players. Now, whether it's up to them whether they sign, but I can tell you that there's been a number of players that I've recommended that they have signed uh, that are playing for that are playing for us, and uh, you know I, that's uh, you know and, and I'll say this as well. There's a number of things that they've recommended from a business standpoint that we've adopted because it works. You know they have taught us to be better owners. There's no question about it. And uh, we I've learned a lot from 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 the way they operate to make my franchise better. Now. You know, from a business standpoint, it, it, we're always, you know, like, we're always pressing out people to do better. I mean, you know, Jim Sorosi and Vance Lederman, they get three or four call, phone calls from me a day. And they're not always great calls. There's a lot of calls that say, hey, we need to do this, this, and the other thing. I, I spoke to Jimmy, I remember, two times within a half hour. Yes, there were some ideas that... So we need to do, we need to get, you know, we need to start doing things that are more cause-related, I believe, that are not just, you know, about selling tickets, you know. And, uh, you know, so it's really, I hate to use the word, the work in progress after 24 years, but, you know, there's no time to get lazy. Like, we're, we're like a player, right? We're only as good as our next shift. And we've got to realize that, and I think our staff does. Howard, you mentioned that Tampa Bay uh, organization and, and who you talk to frequently and, and the great relationship that you have. You got Steve Iserman as the general manager and 
somebody who's running that organization. I mean, if you sat down and said, I'm going to make a list of the greatest hockey players that ever played the game, his name is not only on that list, it's not long before you get there. What's it like to deal with Steve Eiserman? And do you find yourself getting starstruck sometimes? Like, that's Steve Eiserman I'm on the phone with. Well, I tell you, my first meeting with Steve, which gives you an indication of what kind of person he was, they came to town. He did Pepper Peak, who had scored 500 goals in the NHL, John Cooper, who had just won a Calder Cup in Norfolk, and Julian Briswa, who I had gotten to know over the years in the American Hockey League. Uh, and who I struck to deal with. And I think you were there. We had a little press gathering at the conference room in the On Center. And after the get, uh, one of the photographers said, let's get a picture of me with Julian Cooper, Verbeek, and Stevie Eisenman. So I said, that's great. And I said, Stevie, go in the middle. And he said, no, 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 you go in the middle. This is... This is your franchise. We're just happy to be here. And here's Stevie Eisenman, to me, a top 10 great, who, you know, time and again proves, and this is very interesting, because you're, you study the game, you study sports. It's so often the great players are also great off the ice. You know, there's a reason they're captains of teams when they're 19 years old, like Eisenman. There's a reason... They lead men to Stanley Cups, like Eisenman and the Messiers. You know, you can go down the list of, you know, you know, I've always said if I've got two players that are totally equal in every ability, but one's been a captain throughout his career and the other has it, I'm always taking a captain, always. And, you know, Steve is just a, you know, a thoughtful, nice, friendly, very low-key guy, and just, you know, we exchange texts throughout the year, and we'll, I'll always see him when I go to Tampa, and the most welcoming person. And, you know, I look at him as Steve Eisman, the partner, not the great, great player, but certainly, you know, what he accomplished on the ice. He's going to be a successful because they're going to win a bunch of Stanley Cups under his Guidance. There's no question. Howard, you are, you know, basically the AAA equivalent of of baseball and the hockey level, as you mentioned, the high level of play that the American Hockey League has here in Syracuse. Specifically about the AAA team, we've seen a lot of news with the Syracuse Chiefs lately. The New York Mets have purchased the team. They're going to take over starting in 2019, and we'll see if it's even sooner than that. If the Washington Nationals are agreeable to all this, there's still a lot of moving parts with this. The sale to the stockholders is upcoming. Since you've had a lot of success here, and they have struggled for the most part with some successes, to be fair, have you ever been approached about buying that team, being a part of that team, running that team before the current situation? And what's your view about what's going on with the Mets and the Chiefs now? Well, to answer the, the first question, you know, other than, you know, hundreds of people over the years asking us to take over as an organization, nothing formal uh, ever took place. And quite frankly, you know, for me, if if we were to, if, it, it, it's not going to happen obviously now, but I think we would have done things a lot differently. Uh, I don't think it's an easy undoing of years of 
uh, I don't want to use the word wrongdoing, but I think we would operate a little differently. You know, uh, you know, to me, the most important thing you have is your brand and building that brand that it has value and importance and that it's something people are proud of. And I, and, and I think that's something that we, we were able to do and that's what we set out to do from day one with the hockey club. And I don't think it's about discounting. You know, people are not, in my opinion, you know, are not going to be motivated by constant discounting of, of, of the price, whether it's of tickets or beer or hot dogs. You know, discount to me has a negative connotation. You know, I, I'd rather shop in Bloomingdale's at a discount store, and you're not talking about a thousand dollar ticket. You're talking about a ten or twelve dollar ticket. So, you know, having said that, you know, it, listen, you're working in a market where, for at least a month and a half, you're really hampered by the weather. And I've always believed that Syracuse would be best served as a short ball team. You know, much like I guess Auburn or or the Brooklyn Cyclones, where, you know, you're still going to have good, young, you know, prospect players, but you're not going to be challenged by, one, too many games to promote, and then games that you have to promote in what's likely going to be inclement weather. You know, people, you know, they're only going to go to so many games when it's 30 degrees and windy in April. And, you know, that's a challenge no matter who's running it. So, you know, I know there's a, you know, a, you know I've read this commitment by the Mets. Uh, you know, it's, it's difficult. It's more difficult when you're an out-of-town, you know, organization that's running a local team. Uh, I, I mean, it was Syracuse, the baseball team, has always been, you know, proud of their very, very local identity. That's obviously going to change. Uh, and I think that, you know, the people, you know, listen, you know, a lot of people were critical about the previous regime. Uh, certainly the media was. Uh, but I think, the, you know, the new regime learned that it, and it's not so easy, right? You know, it's, it's, you know, it's easy to be critical and, you know, uh, but it's not so easy to run a successful franchise. It, you know, you got to do things, uh, you know, a certain way, and you got to be patient. And uh, you know, things don't always work out and get turned around that quickly. And Howard, we'll close with this thought. You know, it's uh, the end of October as we speak here. There is so much hockey to be played, and you are just scratching the surface. But I wanted to get a sense from you about those conversations with Tampa, the roster you have now, which will change many times through the season, as you know as well as anybody. But what's the general feeling about the team that Tampa has put in Syracuse this season? I think, honestly, I mean, this is exactly what I expected. This is a team that's going to learn along the way. You've got, you know, on most nights, you've got seven or eight rookies. But talk about high-end kids. You know, the Sorellis, the Stevens, the Joseph, they all represented their country. Ingram, four of them represented their country 
uh, in the highest level of world championships uh, in junior. You've got uh, a young player in Volkov who I spoke to Julian Berthwaite today. He said, this guy was our best player in Tampa. Only our best player. So I think you're gonna, you know, you're gonna start seeing over the next couple of weeks. You know, it's a process, but I'm I like this team a lot. I mean, I the speed is impressive. These kids are only gonna get better. I mean, the the, the ceiling is very high, and I, 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 you know, to be quite candid, you know, and I've said this to many people, I think that this team's gonna start coming around in December. And come February and March, this could be a hell of a hockey team. That's my hope. And it's my expectation as well. I could be wrong, and this team could come together January and February, you know, which would be a little later than I think they will. But there's so much talent, and we've got the right people behind a bench to harness that talent, and we've got the right support in Tampa that knowing Julian, when that Trade deadline arrives in February for the American Hockey League. As he showed last year with the acquisition, you saw Mike McKenna, who was invaluable to us down the stretch, that he will do what he can if there's a need to make this club better to be successful into the playoffs. So it's nice from our standpoint to have that confidence in a partner that is so focused on our team. And we have that in Julian and Stevie. Now we have it at Jeff Vinnick, who I got to tell you, throughout the playoffs, Jeff was texting me every other day about the team, which is wonderful. You know, he's building a multi-billion-dollar complex in Tampa, and he's worried about his partner in, in, in Syracuse. So we're with the right people that care about us, and and that goes in any minor league affiliation, whether it's baseball or hockey or to a degree basketball now. You've got to have that partnership and that relationship with the people that make the calls on the sports side of it. Because they dictate the product you're going to have to a great degree. And you've got to make sure they know that your business is affected if that product is so below caliber. doesn't matter if it's hockey or baseball. You've got to be able to communicate that or, or else they're not going to care. Thanks for listening to the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Make sure to subscribe in iTunes. Look for us on Apple Podcasts. To get the latest delivered right to your phone, iPad, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Brent Adams. We'll talk to you next time.